0: Could it be that the Spirit of the Lord Jesus is saying to his people, Speak my name. Speak my name. Speak my name. We're going to end the service today in a little bit of a different fashion. I want to ask you during the time that we're opening our Bibles together, as you get prompted to do something, you have permission to go and do it, and here's here's the prompting and here's the permission. A symbol that represents something in your life where you need Jesus to come. You need Jesus, the Savior, to save. You need Jesus, the Restorer, to restore. You need Jesus, the Deliverer, to deliver. It may be a picture of your grandbabies. It may be a picture of members of your family. It may be your wedding ring. It may be a key on your set of keys that represents an office door or a building door or a house. It may be a medicine bottle. It may be a wheelchair. It could be anything, but it needs to be something that represents, that is a symbol maybe your greatest heartache, greatest concern, right now. It may be an American flag. It may be a symbol of something that as a military man or woman you wore during your time of service, and that represents your burden for the United States of America at this point in our history. When to come back again to the song, our worship team will come back as we in the service, and we're going to take those symbols, and we're going to put them before the Lord, and we're going to speak the name of Jesus into and over every one of them. And I want to spend some time with you this morning, just a few minutes. On why the speaking of the name of Jesus, the speaking of it, not just the thinking about it, but the speaking of the name of Jesus into and over circumstances and situations and people and conditions is so indescribably important and so. Amazingly wonderful as a gift given to God's people. I want you to find your copy in your copy of the scripture. a couple of spots in the early chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter one is the first one and then we're going to look at a few verses out of Luke chapter two we Usually, read these just at Christmas time. But there's a reason we're focusing on this this morning. Speak the name. Speak the name. Not Baptist, not Catholic, not Protestant. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. This is Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he, the angel Gabriel, said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation or greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end strikingly significant that the name for her her firstborn son, her firstborn child, was not a name that she and Joseph had talked about or that she had gotten from some family member who she admired or looked up to or a name that she just liked. Folks, this was a name that was generated in heaven. This was a name that came up from within the heart of God. This was a name that came out of heaven to this earth. It is not an earthly name. It's a heavenly name. It is a name that heaven recognizes. We'll see in just a moment that the angel armies of heaven recognized. The captain of the host of the Lord has as his name Jesus. It is the name, it is the name of God who would come in the flesh as a baby boy who would grow up as a young man and who would go to the cross To bear our sins so that we could be set free. The name Jesus. And this is so amazing. It's beyond words to describe what good news this is. Here is how God wants the world to know him. As a savior. As a rescuer. As a deliverer. As a restorer. Those are all meanings of the name Jesus. It literally means Savior. It literally means one who specializes in getting folks out of their messes. The name means the one who knows how to and who has the ability to reach down into whatever the situation is Sickness, poverty, discord, anger, violence reach down into the heart and rescue that soul. Rescue that situation and bring restoration where there has been deterioration. You will name him Mary Jesus. And he will be known as the one who knows how to, has the heart for, has the ability to save that which is lost, restore that which has wandered away, heal that which has been broken. Can the Lord's people say amen? I believe on this time chain Sunday, just a good from your heart, uh uh-huh, would fit. Now watch this next passage. This is in in Luke chapter 2. Leave Luke chapter 1 and go to Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, Jesus has been born. The baby is lying in the manger. Verse 8, and in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. The name Jesus means Savior, Rescuer, Deliverer, Restorer. But the name Jesus is also equated with three other very important terms. And when we speak the name of Jesus into a situation, into a sick body, into a broken relationship, into anything that needs His healing, saving, restoring touch, we need to understand that His name also means these three things. First of all, We mentioned from Luke chapter 1 that the name Jesus translated is Savior. The angel speaks of that. There's been born for you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior. That, That means one who is able to rescue, deliver, and restore. That is a description of what he will do. What he will do. Do you hear me? What he does is he saves. What the real Jesus does is he rescues. I'm not talking about a figment of literary imagination or historical attitude that there was a person named Jesus and, and he lived and he died and he did these things and he told these stories. Well, those things are true. He's a historical figure, but folks, the whole point is Jesus didn't come to do something back yonder. Jesus rose from the dead and is alive and is in this room so that he can still do what his name says he is able to do. Save. Save. Is born for you a Savior. That's what he specializes in doing. That's what he knows how to do. That's what he never runs out, runs out of energy to do. It's what he does. It's what he does. It's what he does. It's what he does. That's why, folks, we need to be around people who know the Lord, but they've never forgotten the power of this Jesus to rescue them, to save them. I don't. It just bothers me how some folks can, you know, we want to get all that in the past and all that's over and done with. And now we dress up, clean up, come to church, put perfume or cologne on, and people would never know what we used to be. You know who still knows what you and I used to be? The Savior, (laughs) the one who saved us. You lose your passion for Jesus when you start forgetting what he saved you out of. Paul said, I'm the chief of all the sinners. I was a Pharisee. In fact, he would say, I am a Pharisee. Came from a Pharisee's background. I was the one who held the garments of the Jewish leadership when they went to stone Stephen. I'm the least of all the saints. But what I'm here to tell you is if Jesus can rescue me, then nobody too far gone for Jesus. In religion. Paul was, Saul was lost in religion. Lost in all the traditions and all the do-right stuff and all the verses of Scripture. and he didn't know Jesus. But when he met Jesus, and he knew Jesus didn't love him and come to him after he cleaned himself up, Jesus came to him right in the middle of his religious junk and rescued him. He's a savior. He's a savior. He's a Savior. That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. I know I'm, I'm getting a little loud on this, but it's where the joy is in the church. You get a bunch of folks together, and they can't remember the last sin they committed. You know? I mean, they, 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 They're so far past what they used to be. They're fooling themselves. We are every last one of us sinners saved by the grace of the Savior. So when we speak his name, we're speaking the name of somebody and we know it personally that he can rescue you. He can deliver you. He can set you free. Amen. Speak his name. Speak my name. Speak my name. It's a testimony. It's a declaration from your own background. You have authority in that place of what you know he's done in your life. So the angel said, There is born for you this day a savior. What is it? What is it that he does? What is it that he does? He saves. The second thing he says, there's a Savior who's born for you today, who is Christ the Lord. The Savior is what he will do. The word Christ stands for for how he will do it. (laughs) I just love this. You know what the word Christ means? It means anointed one. It's the New Testament Greek version of the Old Testament word for Messiah. Messiah is synonymous with the Christ. Meaning. Meaning. Jesus was endued with heaven's power to save. That's why he can save, is because it's not the power of men. It's not the power of the accumulated intelligence of committees and groups in this earth. The reason he can set the captive free is because it's heaven's power, giving him the ability to do what he came to do. Christ means the anointed one, endued with power from heaven for a specific result, and it is to save, to deliver, to rescue, to restore. Amen. 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 There is born for you a Savior who is Christ, and then that word Lord, that title Lord, Lord means sovereign. Lord means the highest of all masters. The farthest up level of authority. All authority, Jesus would say, has been given to me on heaven and on earth. The Lord is the term... That tells us why he can do it. Christ tells us how he will do it with the power of God. And the word Savior, Jesus, means has to do with what he will do. But let's just look, look a little bit deeper into this term for Lord. Why he can do it. Why he can save. It's because he is Lord. He is master. He's sovereign. He has all authority. I want you to know where these passages are in your Bible. Will you find, first of all, this passage in Ephesians that we've spent some time on recently? I'll just read a portion of it. This is Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If you're planning on speaking the name of Jesus into and over situations, before we start into that, at least as the background for our courage to pray in such a way, We need to know that these truths describing who Jesus is now are in the Scripture. This is in verse 19, Ephesians 1. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, put all things in subjection underneath Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Skip over to the book of Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, just a portion of Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, therefore also God highly exalted him, highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, meaning he's been given the name of authority, the name of preeminence, the name of power that is above every other nameable entity on the face of the earth. Now, present, or future. Then I want to show you one other place in your New Testament that we don't look at quite as often. This is the book of Hebrews. Keep going to your right. You'll eventually hit Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, speaking of Jesus in verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, speaking of God, the Father. And he, Jesus, look at this. He, Jesus, upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. You know what? Men accumulated into armies, entities, and areas of focus and thrust and wish, as much as they might desire to destroy all things and rebuild other things in their image, the Scripture says they're not going to be any coming loose of anything on planet earth until the one who spoke it into existence unspeaks it into existence. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds. Jesus the Christ is the celestial, cosmic, earthly glue that holds everything together. That's who he is. That's who he is. Then you can look at in, on toward the end of chapter 1 in Hebrews. In verse 8 it says, but of the Son, speaking of Jesus, he says, skip down to verse 10, and thou, Lord, in the beginning... Didst lay the foundation of the earth. Who laid the foundation of the earth? Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus did. John chapter 1, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Nothing has come into being that has come into being apart from the Christ, apart from Jesus, the Word. Thou, Lord, in the beginning, didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will all become old as a garment. And as a mantle, thou wilt roll them up. And as a garment, they will be also changed. But you are the same. And thy years will not come to an end. When we speak of Jesus as Lord, those are certain sections in Scripture that inform that term, that speak of who he is. So when you speak into a person's life, you speak into a situation the name Jesus. You speak over a situation the name Jesus. You're not speaking the name of an angel, though that would be interesting and amazing. You're not speaking the name of someone who followed somebody's higher order to get something done even in a supernatural realm. You are speaking the name of the one who spoke, and everything we can see became visible out of nothing. He, he is the one who spoke and the universe lit up. He is the one who declared and decreed by his word the order of nature and the functioning of the laws and of physics and nature in this life. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. Jesus, you hold that grandbaby in your arm. You look at that ring on your finger. You look at that set of keys. You look at your, pay, at, at, at your wallet, at your checkbook, and, and, and all the things that, that can terrify you and frustrate you because there's not enough in the bank to pay for it. You speak the name Jesus. And I'm telling you, folks, that is a powerful and a wonderful and amazing way more than a tool. It is your birthright. It is a part of your privilege as a picked out, chosen heir of the Lord Jesus Christ to speak his name. You're not speaking laterally to humans, to lawyers, to bankers, to to assets in this life. You're cutting to the chase, going straight to the heart of heaven, where everything originated in the first place. And you're calling upon the name of the one who has the authority to anoint with power and to bring about rescue and deliverance and salvation. Folks, you understand why that's part of why, if not the main reason why, the most profane, the most forbidden name on the face of the earth in the eyes of many is the name Jesus. You can speak all other names, not get in trouble. You put Jesus on your shirt. Have Jesus on a cap or you speak some to someone a word of blessing in the name of Jesus and, and it seems as if the flies of hell swarm on you. Shut up. Don't say that. It's because darkness knows and everything darkness controls knows that the most powerful name that can ever be spoken is the name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. The armies of heaven salute this one. The origin of the universe and all the created order owes its very existence to this one. Even Lucifer himself was created by this Jesus. And he knows that the one who has final authority is the one who was crucified for the sins of the world, was buried, and then, and then, and then was raised again on the third day. Satan's best could not best Jesus. He rose, King of kings, Lord of lords, and as a result, everything in this life and in the next, everything in this world is beneath his feet. Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you, veterans, veterans in the Lord's army understand the power of the name. They've been through midnights, they've been through storms, they've been through sicknesses, they've been through all manners of opposition and difficulties. And that which rises up from their hearts in the midnight with the doctor's forecast, with whatever may be surrounding them, that which rises up within them is the name that speaks of more power, the name that causes the demons to back off, the name that assures their hearts I have not been abandoned, I am not an orphan. Because this Jesus has says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Understanding who this Jesus is who says that can bring indescribable comfort when our outer man gets perplexed by various things. Paul would say the outer man perishes, but the inner man, the inner man is being renewed day by day, with that fresh reminder, realization of the presence of this one whose name is Jesus. Why he can do, why he can rescue, why he can save is because he has all authority and nobody can tell him to stop. Nobody can shut him down. Nobody can get him into a legal corner. He's Lord. He's Lord all by himself. He is Lord. That's why he can do it. How will he do it? Because of the anointing power of God to rescue. And what is it that he'll do is he will save. Why, Why is it, folks, that sometimes the older we get in the Lord, we get to thinking that we're less and less in need of somebody to save us, to rescue us. We think somehow that knowing the scripture is a substitute for needing the Lord Jesus to make his presence real and rescue us in financial matters, medical matters, family matters, on and on. Our soul is secure. We're going to heaven when we die. But great Scott, folks, some of us may have a while between here and the pearly gates. Are we just left on our own? Are we supposed to? Well, this is is the principle. This is what I'm supposed to. That's where we get... That's where we can get so frustrated with ourselves and at points wanting to give up. It's not necessarily knowing what we need to do, but it's how in the world we're going to do it. And we go through these formulas on how to build a good business, how to raise a family, how to do these things. We get all the script, all the things lined out, and then all hell breaks loose at work. Or you get two or three of your kids, you just freak out, and act like they don't even want to know anything about where they came from. Our families need to keep being rescued. Our professional lives need to keep being rescued in the favor of the Lord upon us. He's a Savior. He's a Savior. Well, I don't know if I I feel like I'm not, I don't really know the Lord as well as I used to. Well, maybe it's because back when you felt like you knew him much better is because you were having to look to him to rescue you for more stuff. But the more we, the farther we go and the more Christians we're around sometime I'm not saying this is true in every case, and more of the Bible we can quote and mark up and so forth, the less we feel like we need a Savior. Where did we get that? Jesus, Jesus has set us His goal to rescue us, to deliver us, to save us. And that has to do with the quality of life things too. Not just the eternal. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But it's the other things. Jesus. Jesus. You speak his name over your business. You speak his name over a dream. You speak his name over something that's come loose you can't figure out. Speak his name. Why? Why? Because his name is Rescuer. His name is Savior. And he doesn't want that ever to leave us as being something old and boring. Things get old and things can get boring when we can get very frustrating in some ways when we feel like it's all up to us to save. It's all up to us to figure out. It's all up to me to raise my kids and and to to do my business in, in a way that's prospering. When When the troubles that come along, the frustrations that can happen in life, the Lord could stop those things, but it just seems to be His way. He allows some things not to keep working in the way that's all smooth and easy because He understands we're getting away from realizing our need for Him. And if He's got to throw a little trouble at us, if, if he's got to let a little something come to, 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 to stir the, the lake on the, that our boat's sitting on in order for us to wake up and come back to him, he can do it. <laughs> and then we find ourselves pulling out that old word that we used to use a lot in the early days, and the word is a name, and it's a name that speaks of my surrender to him. It's a name that speaks of my embracing of him and all that he is and is a name when I speak it that is an invitation for him to enter my life and my work and my day. That's Luke 1. That's, that's the angel probably Gabriel saying. There is a Savior. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. That's what he specializes in and always will for the human race. He is a savior who is Christ, anointed with heaven's power, enabled by heaven's power to do the saving. How does he get the right to pour out heaven's power on this anointed one? It's because he possesses all authority. He has all power. So from that place... He's able to grant anointing, and from the anointing, he's able to grant successful rescuing and saving. So when we speak his name, those parts of who he is need to be fresh and in our minds. We're not asking him to do something he's never done before when we invite him to enter a situation that needs his rescue and needs his touching. Let me give you a... Another spot I, want, spot I want us to look at, and this, this, is, in, this is in the gospel of, of Mark. Mark. What, what happens when a name, the name of Jesus, gets spoken? If I can find Mark in my Bible, you ever lose a book in your Bible? Sort of embarrassing when you're the preacher, and these books start moving around on you. you know. Gospel of Mark. Chapter 10, listen to this. Verse 46, and they, Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. And as he, Jesus, was was going out from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out. Now the emphasis there with the verb is on the beginning. But the tense of the verb means he didn't just start crying out, he never quit crying out. He kept on crying out. It wasn't just one holler, wasn't just one shout with a hand raised, he wouldn't shut up. When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Repeatedly. Jesus, Jesus. And verse 48, and many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he's calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Certainly he had to be helped if he was blind. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni or Master, I want to regain my sight. I just want to see you again. He wasn't asking for a million dollars. He wasn't asking for a change in his last name. I just want to see again. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Here's a curious question. We don't have any record that up until this moment, This blind man had ever encountered Jesus, encountered Jesus. We have no record here that the blind man had ever repented of his sins. We have no record that he had prior to this time confessed Jesus as his Savior and wanted to follow him as a disciple. This is an encounter, a moment in the life of Jesus, a moment in this blind man's life. But somewhere prior to his seeing Jesus or being encountered by Jesus there, he had heard some things about Jesus. Maybe that other blind men had been healed. Maybe that other lepers had had been cleansed. Or, or, Or maybe lame folks walking. Or maybe even he heard the story about the widow at Nain. And Jesus stopped the funeral procession and raised up the boy and gave the boy back to his widowed mother. He must have heard something. And there was something deeper than deep. It was as if it was his only shot, his last hope. He had no plan B. Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus says, it's your faith, go your way, be well. It's your faith that's made you well. What was he talking about? There evidently had been no other track record of Jesus and the blind man. What was it that Jesus felt or heard from the blind man? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He kept speaking the name. Was his faith perfect? No. <clears throat> he didn't have all of the background of who Jesus was and what he would become. But somehow there was something inside him that was persuaded That Jesus had the power to do what it was that he needed. Jesus, son of David. That's why I'm saying to you folks, you speak his name and you keep speaking his name and you speak his name some more. Because it speaks of faith in your heart. A persuaded place in your heart that Jesus is everything he ever claimed to be. That he can do everything he ever did back then, he can do it again. How he chooses to do it now, when he chooses, through whom, that's his business. But when I speak his name, I'm calling out unto the one whom I am persuaded has the ability to rescue, to deliver, to save. You say, but I, I don't, I'm not blind. I don't have a physical limit. Okay, but well, what? Where, where is a place in your life where you are impossibly overwhelmed? Where is a place with a relationship, with a runaway somebody that you wish that the relationship could be stored, and it breaks your heart? You cry yourself to sleep at night, maybe. You pick out whatever it is that would make you kin to this blind man. Maybe not blindness but some other place of helplessness. All he was saying is, I want my sight back, what? So I can have a normal life, so I can go back to work, make a living. Don't write this off as if it was just about a blind man way back then. No. It's about anybody who's caught in a helpless situation where they can't help themselves. Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's why I'm telling you in a minute, we're going to pick up every symbols of all of those places in our lives, multiple categories, and hold them, lift them up to the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You say, well, I don't know if it'll work. Well, I can guarantee you it hadn't worked because you've never tried it. You can write that one down, go to the bank well, it won't work, so I won't try it. Then you have eliminated yourself this day for what it may be that the Spirit of the living God is saying to the church, those who have ears to hear. Let me show you another one. This is in Acts, book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Jesus has been crucified He has been buried, he has been raised again, and his spirit has been poured out in power upon the church, the the day of Pentecost. And ones who were afraid, ones who were paralyzed by their sadness, we've lost Jesus, we we put our hope in him, thought he would restore Israel, but but now it's been three days, that was the road to Emmaus discussion, And, and he hadn't shown back up yet, but he proved His resurrection victory. He he appeared to them multiple times. And then he said, you wait and you pray. The promise of the Father is coming where you'll be filled with power. And the power in you will not all of a sudden make the Jewish leaders who put me to death in a human sense, all of a sudden make them nicer. It'll just fix it so their threats, their intimidations won't be able to slow you down. You'll have power over fear. You'll have power over confusion. You'll have power to lift up my name in the way that my name deserves being lifted up. Well, that, that that had happened, and Simon Peter, who had been the coward, is now Simon Peter the champion for the cause of Christ. Look at chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, and look at verse at verse, um, let's just start in verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour of the hour of prayer, and a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb, you get that? Lame from his mother's womb, had never taken a step one day in his life. Lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful in order to beg alms, asked for gifts for the poor, to help him. As a poor man, wasn't able to work. Alms were gifts to the poor, of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms from them, an offering from them. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them attention. Expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Pause and then walk. Walk to a man who had never taken a step one day in his life. Walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg arms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Two things different in this story from Mark 10. One is this is not the physical presence of Jesus doing the healing. And it is not the person who is about to get healed crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a man whom Peter and John felt compassion rising up in their hearts to do something, to help him. And then it was the living Jesus inside Peter that was able to convey, embark, set in motion the healing that the man needed. I want to say to you, there may be a number of you who have burdens for specific people. And it may be a physical need. It may be a brokenness of the body. Or folks, it may be something about the mind. There's just sadness. There's just depression. There's this insurmountable feeling of aloneness, even abandonment. But the spirit of the living Jesus lives inside you. And these three things happen when we are speaking the name of Jesus with effect and with authority. The first one is this, we surrender the situation, the person, the particular need, whatever. we surrender the situation to the Lord Jesus Christ. We surrender it. We surrender it. That, in effect, is what Peter is doing. I I don't have any silver and gold. I don't have anything naturally material to give to you. But his understanding was this need, this place where I have been put, I have no power. But I bring this situation, your need, your situation, and I surrender you. I surrender you to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want me to give you something? Here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to put beneath your knee a basket, and I'm going to ask you to get in that basket, and I'm going to tote you as best I can in the Spirit. I'm going to carry you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm surrendering you to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that, that Peter did, he surrendered The situation to the Lord. But then the second thing is he embraced Jesus for who Jesus Christ is. This doesn't have the effect if you're still wondering about the power of the Lord. Wondering if he's just one of many options. Now the Lord in his compassion, like the man who was blind, he didn't have a full understanding of Jesus. And he heard the cry. He responded to the cry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When we've read the Word and we've spent time looking at these passages and the Spirit has borne witness to us that what's written in the Word of God is true and these things about Jesus are true, that we're not embracing a a, a body of truth. We're embracing the person. We're embracing the living Jesus. He's not dead way back yonder. He's alive and in this room, and he's right here in this situation in the middle. I'm surrendering you to Jesus, but I'm telling you, I'm embracing all that Jesus is. And then the third thing, by saying in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. He was inviting Jesus to enter the situation. Folks, there are some things. The Lord will just say, you have not because you ask not. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, the door of a heart and knock. I'm waiting for somebody to open the door and invite me in. I wonder how many places of healing that God wants to bring through the healing, touch, power, prayer of a husband praying for his wife. Praying that depression would live praying that medical situations would be taken care of, but the husband is a checkout entity on things spiritual. And so we watch those we love suffer when the Lord could be saying all along, speak my name, speak my name. I've given you each other as husband and wife. I've given you these children. I've given you the grandchild. I've put you in the United States of America. Speak my name. Speak my name. Speak my name. I'm going to invite our worship team to come join me up here again, please. And I want you to go find and hold in your hand the symbol Whatever the symbol would be, wedding ring on your finger, key on your key ring, your wallet, your checkbook, some emblem, maybe from the past when you served as in active duty military, you've retired since then, but you have something that reminds you, that's a vivid expression of your connection with this land. Jesus, Jesus, pull that grandbaby up in your lap. Pull that child up in your lap. And while we sing these songs, I'm fixing to do it. Josh, are you there? Good, good, because I'm sure not going to sing this song. I guarantee you. But you pull those babies up in your lap. you burden for the future with our nation taking the tack that it's taking at this point in time. God help us down the road. God help them. For some reason, I've just felt impressed to add to that list lawsuits, legal documents The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do anything to try to ensnare and trap in business, in finance. And you have a sense that this this has been unfair. This isn't true. Go get the documents. Pull them out of the drawer. Go get them out out of your truck or your car. And I'm saying, folks, literally, literally, actually, Put the pictures, put the wedding ring, put the whatever it is that expresses that place of greatest ache in your heart. And as our worship team sings, reminding us of who He is, out loud, not whispered, not just thinking it, the power of life and death, the Scripture says, is in the tongue. You need life coming to this place of death? Speak life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You speak his name over those grandbabies. You speak his name over those children. You speak his name over your husband, over your wife. You speak his name over medical conditions. If if you're in a setting, in a room, as you're listening to this, and there's somebody in the house with you that has a medical issue, would you just get up and go over there and put your hand on their shoulder, put your hand on their heads? And as we're singing, would you just keep speaking the name Jesus and keep speaking the name Jesus? I'm leaving that all to the doctors. Well, what if the doctors don't have an answer? What if the doctors hadn't been able to figure it out? They're good. They help us. But they're limited. Jesus has no limits. Speak his name. Speak His name. Speak His name. Speak His name. Speak His name.